Hello everybody and thank you for joining me for this new episode of The Daily Optimist. Today is Monday the 12th of July. Alright, I hope you had a good week off last week. I hope you were able to accomplish some goals, personal goals or communal goals or whatever type of goals you had set out for yourself for the week. I hope you're uh, able to accomplish some positivity, helping yourself, helping others, finding time to relax, finding time to be motivated, all the above. Things that will help you move forward in a positive direction. So, welcome back to a new episode. It was a good week for me. Took some time off, hung out with uh, family for vacation. Um, I would like to say that although I am back this week, No, I'm not leaving next week. No, I'm just going to say I'm not going to rehash old news from last week. There was a lot that happened last week. But I am going to just look forward, uh, keep moving from the news that is present and going forward. So I hope you were up to date with what's been happening. And I hope you're continuing to find uh, some positive stories out there as well. They are out there. You just have to find them. But, of course, I will be bringing some of those to you today. So, welcome back, and uh, welcome back to myself. Alright, we're going to get to it. Thank you for joining me. My name, of course, is Elijah Manning, and you are listening to The Daily Optimist. My first news story today is going to come from an article on uh, ABC uh, News. It is by Hope Yen of the Associated Press, and it is about uh, Pfizer looking to uh, discuss COVID-19 vaccine boosters with the U.S. uh, officials, as in the CDC, FDA, and uh, other officials from uh, the government. So... um, there had been talk of possibly having boosters with needed within 12 months um, of getting, you know, your your, your initial vaccine. Um, but right now there is a discussion going over if it's truly needed as of right now or not. Um, Dr. Anthony Fauci, he said that, that, you know, it's possible that we're going to, but right now they probably aren't needed. So he basically said at this time, but, you know, he went on to discuss how things could change and we don't know how um, things are going to continue to progress. Uh, But he said uh, specifically, right now, given the data and the information we have, we do not need to give people a third shot. That doesn't mean we stop there. There are studies being done now, ongoing, as we speak about looking at the feasibility about if and when we should be boosting people. Because, as he states, data evolves. Um, And he says, certainly it is entirely conceivable, maybe likely at some time, we will need a boost. So, they're planning to meet um, right now with Pfizer and U.S. health officials. Uh, So, that is interesting. We will see what happens. Um currently they say it's about 48% of the US is fully vaccinated some parts are uh having a really tough go of it especially as the delta variant is surging 
Um, Dr. Rochelle Walensky, the CDC director, said that it's leading to two truths, which is that um, highly immunized swaths of America are getting back to normal, while hospitalizations are rising in other places. So there have been some southern cities um, and states that are having a, um, as the governor, Aja Hutchinson, of Republican of Arkansas says, you have that more conservative approach, skepticism about government, which is why there is some uh, resistance and why they're behind. Um, said, no one wants an agent knocking on the door. We don't want those that do, but we do want those that do not have access otherwise to make sure they know about it. I don't know. It's interesting. Um, Representative Adam Kinzinger, a Republican from Illinois, uh, said about uh, those who are um, like against the vaccine, if you will, he called it absolute insanity. He said that, uh, you know, for instance, House leader, uh, House Republican leader Kevin McCarthy and others, they need to speak up uh, out against the the, um, the vaccine um, hatred. And he says, these absolute clown politicians playing on your vaccine fears for their own selfish gain. So basically, you know, it's being politicized, um, which we all kind of knew. And it's disappointing. And, you know, you could be hurting yourself or others um, by not being vaccinated. It's not for everybody, I understand. But uh, the science is saying it's working more than it's not so do with that what you will my second news story comes from uh london so yesterday was the euro finals which is you know the the giant uh finals for soccer in uh, europe um and it was england versus italy and italy ended up winning in uh penalty kicks which is what happens at the end of the game if they go through the overtime uh, periods. So, there's so much more to this story. There were three black men uh, who missed their penalty shots. Okay. That's fine. But what has happened now is that they their social media accounts are being flooded with racist abuse. And this is coming from an NBC News article by Alexander Smith. Um, yeah, so, you know, it's being um, condemned by the English Football Association, Prince William and Prime Minister Boris Johnson, who said the team deserved to be lauded as hero, not racially abused. But... There has been growing, um, I guess, racism. I guess it hasn't been growing, but it's been more present. Um, players have taken knee in general, and, you know, of course, that's now been tainted as the Black Lives Matter movement, but that's not the original purpose. The original purpose was just by Colin Kaepernick to bring awareness to inequalities and systemic racism. And people who are using it now are, are being subcultured into 
uh, Black Lives Matter, even if that's not what they're saying. So, this stems from the conservative party, they're saying. Um, Boris Johnson has been uh, outspoken when he was a writer uh, and had said some terrible things in the past uh, about Africans. Um, so, so it's no surprise really that uh, this type of racism is bubbling up again around this. Um, Boris Johnson is, of course, the leader, and now he is speaking out against it, but it has been a... Um, obviously, it's been embedded in many societies for generations. Um, so, you know, there are... According to this article, it says, critics in the world of sports and politics have also questioned whether the government is guilty of double standards and even dog-whistle racism. Um, so there are many, um, of the players that are of some kind of African descent living in, uh, England, but what is happening now, uh, sorry about that background noise. Somebody was doing a little yard work. Um, Marcus Rashford, a player on the team spent last year, uh, and it says forcing the British government into a series of U-turns allowing children from low-income families to receive free school meals meals during the summer recess. Um, so, there have been lots of issues within the party itself. The Conservative Party, they say, is partly to blame for it. Um, the Conservative Party chairwoman, Baroness Saida Warsi, um said that the conservative party needed to think about our role in fueling abuse if we whistle and the dog reacts we can't be shocked if, the, if it uh, barks and bites it's time to stop the culture wars that are feeding division dog whistles win votes but destroy nations uh interesting and uh the abuse i guess has reached uh graffiti efforts as well with a mural of rashford being vandalized um so they they say this is um, reminiscent of the hooligan heydays of the 1980s when black players faced monkey chants and bananas were tossed onto the field. It hasn't gone that extent yet, but you don't have to do that now. You can attack them online. That was the only way you could attack them in the 80s. You, there was no social media. So... Um, uh, Kinde Andrews, who is a professor, professor of black studies at England's Brigham City University, he says, In the past 10 years, it feels more like the 80s in terms of the abuse the players are getting, and the government and the tabloid press are 100% to blame for that. The way we talk about race in this country is so poisonous, and you can't divorce that from racism, uh, from the racism of the government. There was also violence. There were people who uh, didn't have tickets who rushed into the game yesterday. This is... Um, <clears throat> uh, happened in the semi-final as well against Denmark. There was a Danish family said they were surrounded by a dozen England fans and assaulted. Um, so it's getting worse. You know, there's all this talk about how things are better, and in some ways they absolutely are, but in some ways things come back and, and revisit and we have to be aware. And if we don't allow for um, 
teaching of these these things, then we're never going to get past them. Uh, we're never going to get through them. We have to learn from it. And you can't learn if you don't teach about it. So let's be more aware. Uh, this is what's happening right now. Uh, there's, I'm sure, stories that will continue to come out as the week progresses. But uh, I just thought it was a terrible story that needed highlighting. All right, I'll be back in a moment with some positive news. It's time now for some positive news. My first positive news story comes from kind of the world, and it is from the Optimist Daily, and it is a... Uh, I don't know who actually wrote it, but uh, it's off Optimist Daily, so you can check that out. And it is about um, self-cleaning filter for uh, communities in need. So the idea is there are many countries that have to uh, walk for their water and then bring it home in things they call jerry cans. And... um, you know, oftentimes the water has been contaminated and they don't have filters for it or whatever the case may be. But there is a Dutch product designer named Olivier, Oliver Olivier de Grutier. And I totally butchered that, butchered that name, Olivier de Grutier. Uh, and um, on a trip to India as a design student, he noticed the, those jerry cans and he wanted to improve it. So he made... Uh, an attachable tap that filters water each time someone pumps the jerry can. So, uh, he made it simple that the story talks about how um, when they gave it to people for testing and they didn't give them directions, they were still able to assemble it and use it within like 30 seconds, they say, um, and understand how it works. So, it's a pretty uh, streamlined effort. So, it It works like this. When the can is pumped and water flows into a cup, a small amount of water flows backward through the filter to clean it at the same time. So they say it cleans the water, but also makes it more convenient to get the water out instead of having to pour new pump now. So that's good. They say it has two filters, which eliminate more than 99.999% of bacteria and parasites and more than 99.9% of viruses. Uh, also removes dirt and sand, which, um, you know, obviously makes it look less appealing. And then it says that it, it can do about 10,000 liters of water before it has to be replaced, which is enough to last a family for a few years. So that's pretty good. Um, they say the tap is small, easy to ship, but uh, they're working on prototypes right now still as they're testing to make sure it's going to work. Um, for the many is the the startup company that De Grutier, and I'm sure I'm again mispronouncing that, and I apologize, has uh, started. It's again for the many, and he hopes to have um, these devices available commercially within eight, within 18 months. Um, trying to keep it affordable, he's hoping to partner with other organizations to make it even more accessible around the world so it can get to the poorest communities that may be the most in need of it so let's hope this works let's hope it stays affordable that's the key so that these nations that need it most 
will be able to have access to it. And it's not just made so that uh, a globalist capitalism economy can happen, but people who truly are in need can use it. All right, my second story comes from the Washington Post, and it is um, uh, written by Kathy Free. And there's a young man with an afro named Kieran Moyes, 17 years old, and he has decided, as he's accepted into his dream of getting into the Air Force, to donate his hair. All right, so he donated it for more than one purpose. Well, I guess when he was uh, in eighth grade, he lost a friend to cancer and, you know, it hit him differently. So he had this idea to uh, continue growing his hair for years, which he'd been doing since he was younger. And um, he wants to donate it and have money raised. So he uh, did a, a flyer where people could come and watch him cut it, but they could also donate to his cause and it's a, hey, I'm getting my hair. I'm Hey, I'm cutting my hair. He said, after growing my hair out for 17 years, I will be donating it all to kids with cancer. Help me raise $1,000 for each uh, 1.5 inches of hair on my head. We're almost there. And it's called Karen's Curls for Cancer. So the money is going to go to uh, St. Jude's, I believe, is what I read. And then he is donating his hair, actually, to, to the... Um, to the company, I forget what it is, the, the people who, you know, then make uh, the wigs for those who uh, don't, uh, or who've lost their hair to, for whatever uh, cancer-related reasons or other reasons. So they, uh, at the time of this article, they had raised $38,000, and he did donate his hair, and then he went on to his Air Force, and, you know, he played it up, and he, he made some jokes about his hair and his head being cold after he was donated, uh, after it was uh, shaved so great for this young man to to uh, have a purpose um, for donating his hair and looking out for others and realizing that uh, you are helping in any way possible so you know they said it was an emotional scene especially for his uh, mother who you know know how knew how much he loved his hair um, this article couldn't talk to him because as he had started his Air Force training, they have a no uh, communication policy and you know for the first couple months or whatever it may be. So unfortunately he couldn't actually talk, but his mother says he's going to do great things. I have no doubt and there his mother and father are extremely proud of him. Good on this young man, Karen. All right, and that brings me to my positive thought and step for the day. And I want you today to think about dynamics. All right. So dynamics play a part in so many different things. Like, you know, you have a dynamic speaking voice. You have a dynamic personality. But there's also dynamics within the structures of society. You may be a boss. You may be just an employee. You may be black. You may be white. You may be... A woman, you may be uh, a member of the LGBTQ community, you may be Asian, you may be whatever. And dynamics play a role within your culture. They play a role within the subcultures, within our cultures as well. So I want you to be aware of those dynamics. 
And I'm not saying dynamics are not important, but dynamics don't have to limit us either. All right? That's important. That is very important. You know, we we can work to change dynamics as well so that we can give people more even playing field. We can work to use our dynamics to help other people in different ways by taking more action, perhaps. Whatever the case may be. But you can use your dynamic if you're in a dynamic position of power. You can use that to help those who are not. Okay? Those dynamics are important. And they're more important if you can find ways to help others. My quote today is going to come from Ramez Nam, and he is an American technologist and science fiction writer. All right, Ramez Nam. And his quote goes like this, and it's very apropos to mm, the Daily Optimist. There are really two kinds of optimism, he says. There's the complacent Pollyanna optimism that says, don't worry, everything will be just fine. And that allows one to just lay back and do nothing about the problems around you. Then there's what we call dynamic optimism. That's an optimism based on action. One more time. There are really two kinds of optimism. There's the complacent Pollyanna optimism that says, don't worry, everything will be just fine. And that allows, uh, and that allows one to just lay back and do nothing about the problems around you. Then there's what we call dynamic optimism. That's optimism based on action. So I'd talk a lot, and that could almost be seen as my don't worry, everything will be just fine, but I also do action. Even doing this podcast is action because I'm trying to inform other people to help them take other ways of bringing their dynamic optimism to fruition as well. But I also do other things and the work I'm doing as well. And you can too. And that's what I'm talking about with dynamics. How can you change your dynamics? How can you take advantage of your dynamics in a positive way for not just yourself, but for others around you that may need help with a change? It's all about helping. Let's do more help. I know it's not a real sentence, but you know what I'm saying. Can we do that? Yeah, I know you can. You've got this. Think about dynamics. Thank you for joining me for this episode of The Daily Optimist. I appreciate each and every one of you. Uh, It's good to be back with you. Thank you for listening. As always, please rate, subscribe, and share. Rate so that other people can find it. Subscribe so you never miss it. And share with anybody who needs a little optimism and positivity in their day. I'll be here with you again tomorrow. We'll do it again. Until next time, everybody, please be well.